Welcome back to Podcast 88 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by ShotQualityBets.com. Sick of using the same thing the market's using to handicap college basketball? Please visit ShotQualityBets. Use the promo code ODDS23 for a different perspective on handicapping these games. If you'd like to support the Oddsbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theoddsbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers, including myself and others, to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Oddsbreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. It is college football bowl week, my friends. It is starting on Friday, and we have a wonderful guest in Brad Powers to break down the first set of bowl games for your sports betting and handicapping pleasure. But unfortunately, what was supposed to be a very exciting week has become a little bit more somber because of the news of the passing of coach Mike Leach at only 61 years old from a heart condition. Um, I got to tell you, I didn't know that this would affect me kind of the way it did. I've been thinking about Leach pretty much all day. When I heard it happened, I, I guess I liked him a lot more than I even thought. And... Part of the reason I liked him was just his amazing personality and the way he dealt with the media, you know. Um, I, I guess that he was just able to kind of get your thoughts off of uh, the good or the bad that's happening to your team and just completely change the subject and make you laugh. I mean, isn't that what life's really about? You know, he did that a lot of different times. Well, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We got to consider that. I'm going to say the Wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan is he? Does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? <laughs> you know, the guy was just uh, kind of quirky. You know, a little bit off the wall, and uh, it was, you know, very enjoyable. You'd always look forward to Mike Leach interviews, and uh, you look forward to some of the crazy things that he was going to say. You've been speaking to the officials all night. What's your reaction to some of those calls in the first half? What's your reaction? You're watching the same game I am. Uh, I think you ought to comment on it uh, positive or negatively, whatever's running through your mind. Okay, thank you, Coach. Sean, I'll let you... Uh, vintage Mike Leach. I... You know, he really knew how to make light of a situation, and he understood how the media is. He understands how the media tries to stir up controversy for a story. Well, instead of that, he was always able to turn around and kind of be, in a way, the story himself. I'm in the middle of planning one right now. Do you have any advice for me? Who are you marrying? His name is Trevor. Okay, yeah, well, I'll have to set up a meeting and I'll talk to him. Um, (laughs) You know, he is just... uh, 
that cunning of a man and uh, that great of a personality and also one hell of a football coach coming up with the air raid offense that he kind of trademarked himself. You know, it really changed the game of football, and he made me wish that my teams that I root for would have a lot more of a creative offense like he has always had. You know, some of those years when he had one loss, two losses, I always thought if he had a better defense, he would have definitely had a shot at making the playoffs or even winning a national title. So definitely a little bit bummed out about Mike Leach and what happened. College football is certainly a lesser place without that guy. And uh, I hope that his family and everybody knows how much we appreciated him and certainly how much he will be missed in the sport that we love so much. The women lose their mind. Your fiance is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind, and um, and they're going to they're going to barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course, my answer was, I don't care. And then, uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or th- that that way? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're going to get caught in a catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And that catch-22 is, well, I want you to be a part of this too. Uh, so what color invitations? Um, all right, the blue ones. Well, I kind of like uh, I kind of like the tan ones. Okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, uh, you want this over with. You're not even thinking about it, which is of course true. Uh, what do you want for dessert? I was thinking of strawberry shortcake. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, strawberry shortcake would be good. Well, what about the blueberry pie? Well, I like the blueberry pie. We could have the blueberry pie. Well, I thought you said you wanted the strawberry shortcake. And it's just going to go back and forth, and they're going to play keep away from you until uh, after you're married. There's no answer you can give that is going to be satisfactory or correct. And if you successfully uh, please a few of them, the others will still be, oh, well, I just don't feel like he's that interested. Yeah, okay, so, so you need to work late. Uh, go in the back room and read a lot of books. Uh, take the groomsmen out so you make sure that they march in just right and they know exactly, you know, these swell outfits that you picked out or whatever, however you're doing it. Um, and in the end, you'll wish you a lope. Uh, you need to find um, excuses uh, that they'll buy uh, to be as far out of harm's way as you possibly can. Certainly one of a kind. Now it's time to get into a little NFL week 15 and I myself am at 59% so far in the NFL having a wonderful year up 43 units my free plays are on a hell of a run as well eight in one in NFL free plays over the last nine so hopefully you're getting that from telegram but if you'd like to benefit from the premium plays make sure you check me out the oddsbreakers.com Less than 100 bucks a month, you become a member. Let's move into the first game of the week. We're talking San Francisco 49ers at Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are plus three and a half. The total is 
0.5. This is an interesting game because the Seahawks, as we know, have become somewhat fraudulent. And I guess not have become fraudulent. They've been fraudulent. You've probably lost some bets fading them earlier in the season because they kind of played out of their minds. They're getting a lot off their draft capital. Geno Smith is playing way better than we expected, but yet that defense still has some issues. But at the same time, the Seattle Seahawks are very much in the playoff hunt right now, and I still think they can possibly get into the playoffs minus a big collapse, and they know that. They were embarrassed at home last week against the uh, Carolina Panthers. Just a very, very embarrassing game. So Seattle already played San Francisco. They had to uh, travel to San Francisco to play week two, and that was after San Francisco was embarrassed by losing to Chicago, and they lost by like 20 points. Then after that, they lose to Atlanta, but then they beat Detroit, lose to the Saints, and then rip off four wins in a row, right? A little bit fraudulent wins because they beat teams like an injured Chargers. They beat a bad Arizona team. They beat the Giants, uh, which we knew were fraudulent. They beat Arizona again, and then kind of came back down to earth against Tampa Bay, where they should have possibly won this game, but they lost in London, lost to the Raiders at home, beat the Rams away, and then lose to Carolina. But this Seattle team is a little bit below average. San Francisco, certainly one of the best teams in the NFC, if we know a little bit about that quarterback. The problem with San Fran is they got that bump game with Brock Purdy, and they beat Tampa Bay. So it looks like a really good win, but the truth is that they got some very beneficial calls on two key plays, and Tampa Bay isn't what Tampa Bay used to be. <laughs> they're absolute, they're absolutely terrible this year, and that is a massive factor that you have to weigh in in a division game where your team is seven and six hunting for the playoffs. Home dog past the three division game. That's huge. Purdy, he played fantastic, but this is a short turnaround week possibly in a slight little bit of a letdown situation where the team's probably knowing they're just going to play Seattle where they already won by 20 points. The truth of the fact is San Francisco, when healthy, and if had if they had Jimmy Garoppolo, I probably would be betting San Francisco at minus three and a half in this situation. My numbers are higher than that just based upon pure algorithm. But at what point are we going to downgrade Purdy? You know, you have to also remember that the biggest playmaker in Debo Samuel is out this game. He got injured last game against Tampa Bay. This is massive. You know, this is a massive injury, in my opinion. San Francisco also banged up Christian McCaffrey a little bit, who was limited, which is now their key running back. You know, they're kind of going to the dumpster a little bit in that position, Dante Johnson, their cornerback, suffered an ACL tear. <laughs> so they're massively beat up. You know, this is just not a good situation for the Niners, and it's a very bad spot. I have to give a bump to Seattle. They're going to give a hell of an effort this game. And San Francisco is already kind of in cruise control. This is a very coverable spread. 
I'm going to play Seattle. I already played him at four. I like him at three and a half for two stars. Just listen to your heart. That's what I do. Next game, the Indianapolis Colts against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are minus four. Toll on this game is 48.5. So what have we been hearing the last few weeks? We have been hearing how fraudulent the Vikings are. They go to Detroit, lose the turnover battle, probably would have lost that game either way. Should have been a little bit closer, but it kind of proved true. But you have to look at the situation here, and you also have to look at the fact that Minnesota can score points. This is a higher total, 48.5. The Colts have no business being on the road against a playoff team no matter how fraudulent they are, and be less than a, a seven-point dog, in my opinion. Less than a seven-point dog. Maybe if you're calling the Giants or the Commies playoff teams, that would be a slight exception. But still, the Vikings aren't this bad. You know, if if you're really giving teams three points for home field advantage, which we've learned we're not anymore, you would only be saying that Minnesota's only one point better than Indianapolis. I know Indianapolis is coming off the bye, but what could they have really gotten better at on the bye? You have to remember that after the Colts beat the Raiders following the firing of Frank Reich, everyone jumped on Jeff Saturday's nuts, thinking that he can actually fix this team. But the truth of the fact is they got the one coaching fire bump, and Jeff Saturday has the cards the rest of this year deeply stacked against them. He doesn't have an offensive coordinator. You know, you, you got to remember, the Colts fired their offensive coordinator before they fired Frank Reich. There's nobody there that can really run the offense. You're just kind of just looking at the playbook in a way and just kind of coming up with plays. I don't even know if Saturday and their quarterback coaches there have the strategy needed to come up with plays for a decent drive in itself. Indy's ineptness here showed right after they won that game and then obviously they kept it close with the Eagles. The Eagles played like shit that game. Let's face it, they played like crap. But they started losing and showing their real colors after that game and now they're pretty much out of playoff contention. I guess there's like a .0001% chance they can get in at 4-8-1 and one, but it's not happening. In the situation, if you want to be able to compete with the Vikings, you have to be able to put up some points. The Colts rank 31st in offensive EPA and 28th in passing yards per attempt. That's not going to go well in Minnesota. Their offensive line is garbage, and they can't even seem to run the ball um, with the best back in the league in Jonathan Taylor. That's because their offensive line is garbage. Matt Ryan's career is pretty much toast. There's some quit in this team. When it comes to short spreads like this, and the team knows they're not in the playoffs, if they're getting beat by, you know, double digits, 10 points or so, they tend to give up a little bit more in the second half rather than give it a big effort. As the Vikings have shown, they're bad on defense, but at least they rank 15th in defensive EPA per play and only allow 4.1 rushing yards per attempt. The reason that is, is that they play kind of a deeper cover two, and they tighten up a little bit more when it comes to the red zone. 
I think the Queens put the Colts in a quitting situation this game. I like the Vikings. I'm taking a minus four for two stars. Next game, you have the Baltimore Ravens plus three, minus 120 at the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are, you know, I guess you would call this minus 2.85 or so. I think that the Browns are, they should be favored this game. They, The Ravens are leaking a little bit of oil themselves. They look pretty bad on offense with the step down from Lamar Jackson. But the problem with this game is we don't know about the quarterback. The fact that Huntley's not playing makes me uh, really hate the Ravens here. I don't think Brown is any good. And if I knew today that it was going to be Brown starting this game, I would be laying the three at plus 100. I would. I would. I think Deshaun Watson has to get a little bit better. I think that Donovan Peoples-Jones has really emerged as a receiver, and I think they should be able to keep Baltimore from scoring. As a matter of fact, Baltimore looked pretty bad. If it wasn't for that defense, they wouldn't have covered that spread and might have actually lost. I mean, they were dogs last week, but they might have actually lost outright by three points or so to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the problem is Huntley's got the concussion. He was throwing some passes, but that doesn't mean he can play. And Lamar Jackson um, still banged up with his knee. I'm not sure if Harbaugh is going to rush any, either of these guys back. He might just kind of be like, defense, go let, go see what you got. But their defense a little bit banged up in the corners. Daryl Worley um, was placed on injured reserve last week. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis is uh, out for the season as well. <laughs> He's not coming back. So... They're definitely banged up some, but just too many questions for me to make a play. You know what I would do? Now, if Lamar Jackson is playing, I'd slam the other side in this because Lamar is definitely better. Tyler Huntley, probably I would bet the Ravens as well if I knew it was him. But you got to be fast and catch these line moves because there's a lot of these situations coming into NFL Week 15 due to all the concussions last week. So obviously these were Saturday games. So if you're in contests, you're probably going to get have to get them in by Friday, around probably Friday afternoon. The final Saturday game, the Miami Dolphins versus the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are laying minus seven and a half. The total is forty-two. Another big injury situation with Tyreek Hill. You know, I, a lot of people in the media this week are saying how devastating this Tyreek Hill thing is to Miami. Well, the problem is that I've actually watched Tyreek Hill play for Kansas City. I don't know if these media guys have just forgotten about it or maybe they don't watch games. But Tyreek Hill played pretty dang good in the snow uh, with Kansas City. (laughs) Of course, he had Mahomes, but still, he looked absolutely fine. As a matter of fact, if I was going to line up a bunch of receivers and it was snowing, I would still pick Tyreek Hill over probably all of them. (laughs) You know? I mean... People act like it's such a big hindrance because it's snowing out. No, this also might benefit Tyreek Hill on some of the shorter passes where he can actually make his own cuts and throw the defense off. Remember how the running game favors wet fields? Well, we don't know exactly what the weather is going to end up being yet in Buffalo. You can assume rain because it rains there all the time. Right now, I'm just seeing cold weather, high of 24 degrees. 
Um, obviously, this is going to be at night, so it's probably going to be more of a uh, you know 18, 19 degree type game, maybe lower, a little bit of wind. <laughs> but right now, unless I know that it's going to be just really bad conditions, I would probably lean the Dolphins in this in this situation. Now, the big problem, obviously, is Josh Allen and his legs. He makes this team look great at running the ball, and once they start passing the ball, Singletary usually has a great game when the middle of the field is a little bit more open as well, whether he's receiving or just rushing the ball. He's been fantastic this year, actually. kind of blew my mind. I, I didn't know that Buffalo was going to start running the ball so well. Miami doesn't run the ball well at all, so that's another big concern here. But I actually have Buffalo purely at eight points on a perfect situation. So even after the nice things I just said about Tyreek Hill, Buffalo is just that strong of a team. I've lost some bets on Buffalo because of the back door. And when you have a good offense like Miami, the back door certainly can happen at any point in any game. So no lean for me on this game. Moving on to Sunday. The Chicago Bears are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. The Bears are home dogs of plus nine, plus eight and a half in some books, total 48 and a half. Um, this thing gets down to eight and a half in most books. It's going to be a big teaser leg for the Eagles, yet there's a lot of people that are going to be betting the Bears based upon the situation. The spot that some of the trendier betters, sharper betters maybe are looking at is that the Bears are in a good off the bye and the Eagles are in a look ahead. The Eagles are looking ahead past the Bears to their huge game against the Cowboys. And that could be true. But how are you going to invest in the Bears here? It's over two touchdowns. And I get that. But you have to understand that the Bears, they look great for a, a skid in their season earlier. But they lost six games in a row. They find ways to lose games. Justin Fields at the end of the game has been terrible. And they lost two of their four best offensive players in Khalil Herbert and Mooney, their receiver. You know, Chase Claypool hasn't exactly been lighting it up yet either. So the Eagles, I guess, are very vulnerable against the run. Well, they were vulnerable against the run, I'll say. But now they've got some guys back that are healthy that should be able to uh, help stop the run, you know. And it kind of showed when they played the Titans and beat the hell out of them. You know, you still got Javon Hargrave. You got Jordan Davis is back, their big draft pick. <laughs> you know, he's rotating in. And he got Nagamakan Sue. I remember being in Detroit for a bachelor party. Uh, it, was an, it was an outskirt of Detroit, a suburb. I think it was Royal Oak, but Sue was there at a bar. And that man is just absolutely huge. <laughs> you know, um... Back This was back in 2009, 2010. But anyways, they can stop the run. It's kind of fake news out there, in my opinion, that people think that they can't stop the run. But the Bears, they have a pretty good rush rushing uh, offense with their offensive line, but they can't pass block for the death of them. And if they can't pass block, how are they going to catch the Eagles? You think the Eagles are going to know that Justin Fields doesn't roll out and run the ball? <laughs> you know, how horrible would that be? You'd have to have the Eagles in a situation like they played against the Indianapolis Colts. And maybe you do get that situation, and that's why people are jumping all over them. But I have the Eagles by 11 in this game. Even with the Bears coming off the bye, 
there's a chance that the Bears can still get blown out. And you have to remember, the Eagles don't want to exactly drop a game when they're looking for the the uh, number one seed in the NFC. The Eagles smell weakness. They smell weakness because they saw how the Cowboys played last week. And they smell weakness because they know the Vikings are a little bit fraudulent and they're going to drop their number one seed probably within the next two or three weeks here. Actually, let me rephrase that. The Eagles 12 and one have the number one seed. The Cowboys are 10 and three, but still the Eagles want to keep it. And there's going to be a lot of trendy players on the bears. So just keep that in mind. I love the Eagles as a teaser leg for sure. Find that eight and a half in a book and try to tease them with uh, anything plus two ish is usually pretty good. The Titans at plus three is probably a potential being that they're minus 120. That's kind of going back and forth. The Packers minus seven. We'll have our teaser for you at the end of this segment. The next game, the Cowboys versus the Jaguars. And this is another weird situation where the Cowboys, you know, coming off that win, and man, they celebrated beating the Texans like they beat uh, a number one team, like they just beat the Eagles or the Vikings or something like that. That was an ugly game for the Cowboys, and I think they were kind of exposed that game. Put a little bit of pressure on Dak, make him throw over the top, and if he misses and if your man coverage ends up winning, you can really screw this team up and stop the run, stop the short passes to Pollard and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I think that the uh, Jacksonville has a path to the playoffs, and they know it. If Jacksonville can win this game, the Titans have a very – you know, pretty difficult schedule and have to play Jacksonville at the very end. So the door is absolutely open for uh, Jacksonville here to make the playoffs. And they're going to give it, the Cowboys all they can handle at home as a four and a half point dog in this situation. I'm going to give you a strong lean to the Jacksonville Jaguars at four and a half. And if the look ahead's true and the Cowboys are really looking ahead to the Eagles, then you're going to be in a little bit better of a situation this game. Um, in a desperate spot for the Jaguars. Next game, the Chiefs versus the Texans. So, I mean, I'm going to pass this game. I, I lost on the Chiefs by a half point last week because they just Mahomes did up, which is Mahomes is fantastic, but he also can be terrible when he's just screwing around throwing picks. Um, I believe the Texans kind of gave it their all last week and failed, so... I just can't understand their motivation in this spot to cover this spread, but a home dog at 14 points in the NFL, you don't want to be, you don't want to be laying minus 14 unless you certainly know something uh, about this game. My number is like 12 and a half anyway. The Lions versus the Jets. Jets minus one total is 44. <laughs> so this kind of goes back to which team wants it more. The Lions are on a tear. They have a path to the playoffs themselves. Uh, they're actually the ninth team right now. You need seven, obviously, to get in. I think the Giants fall out at some point. I think the Washington might sneak in there. But I think uh, the Buccaneers will have to be in because that game, either them or Atlanta, but Jesus, man. Um, <laughs> those are some very undeserving teams getting in the playoffs. But who wants to play Brady in the playoffs? Going back to the Lions, they have a very good chance beating Seattle and the Giants to this seed. Um, the Packers even have one more extra loss over the Lions, too. So you got to give it a very opportune 
moment for the Lions in this game, but the Jets are in the same situation. They're the ninth seed on the other side of the coin and have a nice path themselves if they can kind of knock down a couple wins here. I mean, you're not going to pass the Bengals uh, or the Ravens, both at 9-4, and four, so that wild card is going to be set up between one of those teams. But you can possibly pass the Dolphins here. Dolphins are 8-5, and five, the Patriots 7-6. and six. The Jets have an easy path to the playoffs if they can win this game. Metrically, I have the Jets winning this game. You know, the Lions have been playing out of their minds lately, but they haven't been making any mistakes on offense. This is a situation where Jared Goff is going into New York in a cold situation. If you remember when Goff was on the Rams, whenever they went to cold weather, it was a big fade spot for Goff. And maybe the Matt Campbell thing, and I'm sorry, Matt Campbell, Dan Campbell, might be able to you know get the keep the motivation going with this team and keep Jared Goff looking good. But the truth of the matter is this Vikings defense is horrible and the Jets defense is pretty dang good. I'm going to pick defense all day in a cold game situation. I'm going to play the Jets. I got them at plus 0.5. I like them to, you know, minus one and a half. You can shop around and get it. Um, in this situation, I think the Jets win. And uh, the the Lions finally have a little bit of a hiccup and a little bit more work to do to try to get into the playoffs. Do it for two stars. You're ridiculously good looking. Next game, the Steelers at the Panthers. And I talked about this one already on the Monday slash Tuesday show Free roll on the Panthers, but this thing's almost at three now. I'm telling you, Kenny Pickett probably can't play this game. And even if he does, the Panthers with Steve Wilkes are very, very motivated to uh, to show up. Just uh, on my straight metrics here, I have Pittsburgh as a pretty bad team. I have the uh, Panthers minus 2.867. <laughs> you want to keep that with Mitch there? <laughs> I think this thing drops to four. This line probably should be four with Mitch Trubisky and the way he throws picks against the Panthers. Next game, the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. This is a massively ugly game. The Saints are minus four and a half. I can't lean points with the Saints and Dalton. Even if you win this game, you should be slapping yourself for making such a stupid decision. The Saints win games by three points. They are a defensive team, and they also can blow games like they did against Tampa Bay. So, you know, you got Desmond Ritter coming in. Lots of motivation. Atlanta knows they have a chance to make the playoffs still. I believe in the playoff picture, they're not even terribly far back. You know, five and eight, while you have the Tampa Bay Bucks at six and seven. <laughs> they can make this thing. I think this division could have a seven-win team, seven and ten, <laughs> sneaking into the playoffs. Just imagine that. Absolutely disgusting uh, NFC South division. But, um, you know... I, I'm not touching this game. I think that the Falcons can cover it, but I don't know enough about Ritter. I know he was great in college for Cincinnati. I, I, how am I supposed to put my money on such a, a big variance situation? Can he be much worse than Mariota? Probably not. You know, it, at some point there's a buy point. Probably at the six is where the buy point would be for me. I'm hoping it doesn't get there and I don't have to make that decision. The Cardinals at the Broncos. Broncos minus three. The total is 36. This is a massively low total in the NFL at 36. And I got to tell you, I have, I am just floored how this line went up based upon Russell Wilson not being in the game. <laughs> I know that we have the backup in Colt McCoy for the Cardinals. 
which is pretty bad. He doesn't have the mobility that Kyler Murray does when you have a bad offensive line. That's just bad, bad, bad. But they're looking at the fact that with Brett Rippon, the line actually creeped up a little bit. It wasn't so much Colt McCoy because when this line opened up, it was hanging around two, two and a half for a while. So it's funny that the market doesn't downgrade Russell Wilson anymore. That's pretty embarrassing on Wilson's behalf here. Um, Colt McCoy has had some big games. Just remember that he went to Seattle and beat them outright last year (laughs) when uh, everyone was fading uh, uh, the Cardinals because Murray wasn't playing. He he's he can be accurate. Just give him an extra half second in that pocket. I don't know if he gets it against a good Denver defense, but you have to remember Denver's defense did trade a lot of guys away and lose some on injury. Probably a pretty good spread at three. The Patriots versus the Raiders. Huge storyline in this game with Bill Belichick playing Josh McDaniels, uh, his ex-offensive coordinator here. But, I mean, what do I say about the Raiders? They're my crutch. I usually can't seem to figure this team out. The Patriots looked really bad against the Cardinals for about a half, and they kind of got lucky with some of those fumbles and interceptions that Colt McCoy gave up. They probably should have lost that game technically, minus the fact that McCoy sucks. But the Raiders have a better offensive line than the Cardinals. They have a better quarterback. They're plus one. This is a strong lean to the Raiders for me and probably a situation where you might want to play a teaser if you can get this thing up to one and a half. I am losing faith in Bill Belichick. Um, I know he had a good situation last week, but I've seen him get beat pretty bad before. I think Matt Patricia is an absolute fraud. And I think that a lot of Belichick's success was because everything fell perfectly for him with Tom Brady and the way that games were played and called and everything back on his run with the Patriots. I don't want to take anything away from the Patriots team. That team was a dynasty. But at the same time, this is a big spot for the Raiders also on extra rest here. God, I'm talking myself into a Raiders play. I really didn't want to do that. But I just do not like this offense. Uh, And I think that a little bit of momentum can force these Raiders to, uh, you know, put up some points in this situation. A couple things to look out for in this game is Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller could come back and play this game, especially Renfro. So that would be huge. But, you know, they lost Jalen Brown or Jayon Brown, their linebacker on injured reserve. Jacobs is banged up. He hurt his uh, pinky finger on that one play last week. Rocky Yassin is questionable. There's definitely some banged up players for the Raiders, but um, the Patriots also on a short week themselves here playing the Monday night game. And the big problem with the Patriots is Ramondre Stevenson uh, hurt his thigh. And we don't know if uh, he's going to be back. And he was a big part of the Patriots offense, in my opinion. I seriously think the Patriots just won based on their defense here. I'll be watching this line all week. Probably a good teaser leg. But it's going to take a little bit to get me to 
side with the Raiders, and it would have to be a pretty late decision if that happens. Bengals versus Bucks, total 44. Bengals coming off another big win against a division opponent here. What gives with this Bengals team? You know, they have to have a flat spot, and you would think that's against the Tampa Bay Bucks. As I saw, there was a little bit of a misleading game last week. This is a big spread to be laying. My problem with the Bengals is I don't know about the receiver situation. I don't know if T. Higgins is going to play. I know Jamar Chase is. I'm not worried about uh, that, but they did bang up Trey Hendrickson, their defensive end. He went out last game, and their other receiver, Tyler Boyd, um, is day-to-day too. So he's probably going to play. But, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to really go against a, a Cincinnati Bengals team coming in at full health. <clears throat> and, you know, if you know, if you notice, the Cincinnati Bengals have been very good on the injury side this whole year. Um, it's, this, this, this spreads a tad high though. I mean, even my numbers without downgrading, the Bengals for their injuries has the Bengals minus 4.015. So I'm very close to the spread. The question is, I need two of these receivers out probably if I'm going to make a play on Tampa. Good spot for Tampa. There's, I just think that it's a great spot for Tampa coming off that loss, still hunting for the division. Probably a bad spot for the Bengals, even though they're trying to keep up with the Ravens. They know that the Ravens are injured themselves. They could let down a little bit in this situation. Titans versus Chargers. Chargers minus three plus 100, total 47. This Titans team is a mess, and the market keeps downgrading them, yet the Chargers are now starting to be upgraded a little bit based upon their health. The biggest thing is this, can they stop Derrick Henry? I will say that the Titans have been using the hell out of him. He's got a lot of miles on him. This year, they're number one in defensive rush EPA, but on the offensive side of the ball, you know, they haven't been good at all, and that's why their GM got fired for the A.J. Brown trade. Uh, The Titans are 23rd in overall EPA. Uh, The rush EPA isn't where it needs to be. They are... The Chargers are finally becoming healthy this season, you know? The problem is you're going to have a pretty big coaching mismatch here with Rabel and Brandon Staley there. You know, Brandon Staley's such a little dude over there, you know? But their rush EPA on defense on the Chargers is like 27th in the league. That's what worries me in a desperate spot here with the Titans, Metrically, I actually have this game at Pick'em, but that's that's just based upon what the Chargers have done with banged-up wide receivers now that they're all healthy and even getting a little bit healthier on defense. You have to give the Chargers a little bit more of a bump there. Um, you know, the Chargers were a fade team for a long time. You wonder when they're going to finally have that game where they blow someone out. <laughs> you know, it's been a while. But... Um, Joey Bosa is being reevaluated and could be clear to resume practicing this week. Imagine having Joey Bosa uh, come back. That would be huge for them. Um, Derwin James a little bit banged up and Bryce Callahan, so you're a little bit worried about that. Uh, 
Um, but I, I got to tell you, I like what the Chargers are doing. And Everett's just been such a beast. And I would even lean the Chargers even at the three just based upon how they're playing and based upon how the Tennessee Titans have been leaking oil pretty much uh, since the last three or four weeks of the season, right? Probably since week nine or ten, the, the Tennessee Titans have looked pretty bad. Yeah, it was ever since that uh, Green Bay win. They lost to Cincinnati, an injured Cincinnati team, got killed by Philadelphia, and got crushed by Jacksonville. So I'm just going to give you a lean in this situation. Next game is the Giants at plus four and a half at the Washington Commanders. The total is extremely low. Well, not extremely, I guess, for this season, but low at 40.5 points. This is a weird back-to-back game for Washington, being that they played the Giants, went on the bye, and they're playing the Giants again. You don't see that too often. But either way, what the heck is Washington doing here? You know, laying more than three points to a divisional opponent. Um, Maybe it's just like they had two weeks to think about what they just saw. I have to think that Brian Dayball has some sense and to have a, a few different plays than he called before. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I know the G-men are overrated, but that doesn't mean the commies are not overrated. The commies are not a good football team. They are a very average football team at best. As a matter of fact, on my power ratings, I have Washington, the 22nd team, <laughs> and sorry, the 21st team, and I have the Giants, the 25th team. That does not warrant 4.5 points. Over the last eight games, the Giants are 6-2 and two against the spread against this team. So uh, these two teams ended in a tie last game. The metrics say that the Giants are net minus 0.6 yards per play. But the Washington football team is minus 0.5. And I know they're a little bit better because some of those games didn't have Wentz. They didn't have their defensive end, Chase Young. But the Giants still have a better offense, ranking 13th in EPA to Washington, ranking 27th. (laughs) You know, Washington's got the better defense, but Brian Dayball schemes things up and gets Washington in these close games, especially with these low totals. This number's too high. It is certainly too high, in my opinion. And I think the Giants keep it close once again. Take them at plus 4.5 points for 2.5 stars. You like that? You like that? Also keep in mind, the Commanders lost their center and leader of their offense in Tyler Larson last game. That's massive. Now for the night game, you get the Rams at the Packers. The Packers are minus 7. The total is 39.5. Very low total in this situation. The Rams with Baker Mayfield probably moved this lineup a little bit. The problem with my numbers on this game is that I have a no-clue On the Rams being that, what is the upgrade on Baker Mayfield? First, you had a downgrade from Stafford. Then you, you know, saw how bad Wolford was, and (laughs) I guess you upgraded some to Baker Mayfield. But the dude, even though he had that last drive, still is not, you know, ready for this offense yet. The Packers are in a desperate situation. My pure numbers are four point seven. 
I suppose I would, uh, this includes Stafford at the beginning of the year. I, I would say this is probably a six point game in my opinion, should be six. Am I at all inclined to <laughs> take a chance on the Rams on a team that is not in the playoffs and might've quit? Hell no. <laughs> this is a perfect teaser leg that I'm going to get into here because now it is time for our refuse to lose teaser. That is eight, five in one for the season. Tease the Packers down desperate situation, much better quarterback. They're becoming a little bit healthier as well. The Packers have been banged up throughout the year. They have some, they have Cobb back. They have Watson. That's looking good. I think Romeo Dobbs, their receiver uh, might be back here. Am I crazy? Um, he expects to play Monday. Yeah, yeah. So I did see that. Uh, the Packers are just in a wonderful situation. You can take them all the way down to minus one. And we're going to take the Buffalo Bills at minus seven and a half all the way down to minus one and a half themselves. Just with Josh Allen's legs right there and how the Bills are in a revenge spot against the Miami uh, Dolphins. I think that this is a win in bad weather for them. It's just such a big home field advantage for, for a team that has to play there week in and week out. Minus one and a half for the Bills, minus one for the Packers. We're going to do that for two stars. I let it go. And I said to myself, this is the business we've chosen. All right, now it's time to get into college football bowls with our wonderful guest, Mr. Brad Powers. College bowl season starts now, and no better person to bring on than one of the best known and originators in the sports betting business of college football, Mr. Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bradpowers7. Brad, the holidays are here. I'm feeling the bowls coming on. Are you feeling merry or what? I am. It's one of my favorite times of the year, believe it or not. I am a guy that uh, more the merrier. I'm I'm perfectly happy that there's 43 bowl games. I wish there was 83 bowl games. <laughs> Me too, you know. I mean, you can't get enough sports betting. That's what people say. There's too many bowl games. There's too many bowl games. I disagree. I'm like, what is wrong with just having more things to bet on and having the books have to chase their tails a little bit more during a season? You know, that only gives us an advantage that are sitting in front of the odd screen, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, how do you bet that stuff? I mean, with all the opt-outs and everything that's going on, I actually am totally opposite. I want more opt-outs. I want more coaching changes. I want more uncertainty because I feel like I can price it or at least I can do the legwork because the sports books, it's not like they're hiring 10, 15 extra guys this time of the year. They're still dealing with college basketball, uh, the NBA, the NFL, everything else that they got to deal with. So I love it. Uh, I, I'm very happy this time of year, to say the least. Same with me, but a somber thing that happened, obviously, this week. One of my favorite coaches, and I didn't even really know he was one of my favorite coaches until it actually happened. Uh, as everyone knows by now, the passing of Mike Leach, just surprisingly, at a very young age. And I got to tell you, Brad, I didn't know it impact me as much as it did because I thought about it a lot, you know, the, the yesterday, kind of like all day a little bit, you know, here and there. I guess I really liked him a lot more than I even knew. And, uh, you know, I remember a lot of the 
the funny things that he said in the media and you got to appreciate like how he went to each team and had so many doubters and and made them extremely competitive sometimes just on impact especially when he went to wazoo and i just would like to ask you what your thoughts are and uh how mike leach impacted college football throughout his coaching career first and foremost i mean he's a hall of famer in my book uh I just did 20 years of success. I mean, consistent winning. Um, just because he doesn't have a national championship and a bunch of major bowl wins doesn't mean that he wasn't a Hall of Fame caliber coach. Obviously, what we see today's day and age of college football and football in general with the pass game, a lot of it can go attributed to what he and Hal Mummy started way back when uh, uh, in, in the Kentucky days in the mid-90s. So uh, it's been a quarter century, but uh, – a lot of the passing concepts that are out there right now are, you know, it came from, you know, 25 years ago from Mike Leach's brain. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, besides the football, a, a very unique individual to say the least and uh, very good for college football. And today, in today's day and age where you didn't get too many people that, uh, uh, you know, don't have a filter like Mike, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciated it. So, I, I certainly posted a, a few of his videos. I know a lot of people are posting uh, funny videos, and he certainly had a, a good sense of humor. I boasted that he was, you know, incredible competitor too. So mm -hmm. there's, I, I, I just he had a way of the English language that not many do, and I appreciate that to say the least. So he he's certainly one of my favorite guys the last twenty years. Betting on or against him, though, I will say. Uh, he's a peculiar fellow. It's tough <laughs> to bet on him and against him. I mean, I, I'll use the bowl game last year where I thought he, he would want revenge over what happened with Texas Tech. He is the type of guy that would have revenge, uh, and they lose outright as a double-digit favorite and get blown out in the game. So uh, he, he was a tough guy to get a hold of as far as when to bet on and against. Certainly a tough nut to crack. So much charisma in that man. And he always made me feel bad about my team's offense. You know, as a Badger fan, it's just, you know, uh, hippo, pa hippo package, right? I mean, in the NFL, I'm, I'm looking at my Bears, and they never had an offense since, well, in the 80s maybe, and if you even called an offense back then. But he always made me feel bad about my teams in that. I always felt that if he had a defense, he would have possibly made it to the next level and, uh, you know, maybe even uh, sniff the playoffs. And it was just always a great offense from the – days I remember mostly was Texas Tech and then moving on to Washington State you know when I when I started really paying attention to college football back then but uh I mean for me uh, I think that his legacy is definitely going to live on because the like oh, yeah. you said the many concepts that he brought to us in college football and to all the people under him uh have been very successful no doubt I mean his coaching tree is pretty vast to, to be honest with you, there are a ton of guys that you wouldn't even think that either played for him because there's a lot of guys like that that played for him way back at Texas Tech days uh, that, that are out there. Even Heck, even Tennessee's head coach, Heupel. Uh, people forget uh, Mike Leach was the offense coordinator for Oklahoma those first couple of years when Bob Stoops resurrected that program. So, uh, I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of guys that played under him, coached under him, and what you see, like I mentioned earlier, what you see as far as the pass game, a lot of it is what Mike Leach and others developed 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. Was it you that said he retweeted one of your tweets last year to me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was you. Okay. I was wondering yeah. if it was you or Kyle. So you, what, what was that tweet that you put out? 
It, it was a dig at Texas Tech. Uh, keep in mind, Mike Leach at Texas Tech, it was probably their best decade in the history of the school. He never had a losing season in Big 12 play. And since they, you know, undeservedly fired him, they had never at that point when he retweeted it, they had never had a winning Big 12 season since. So right. 10 straight winning Big 12 seasons, then 10 straight followed by 10 straight losing Big 12. 12 seasons after they fired him so that's what he retweeted i like that that <laughs> was awesome and uh certainly a great memory uh for you and uh as well as for everybody that's listened that is fantastic that uh you you, you found some camaraderie with him on twitter that's pretty cool well let's get into some of these bowls and what i mean the philosophy is probably important for us to discuss here for myself and listeners out there i would like you to explain what's different about handicapping the bowl games over just like let's just say the regular season in general well it's completely different it's almost like a different sport i mean it's it's very i would say the most similar is nfl preseason uh it, it's mainly who's in and out of the lineup uh who you know as far as personnel who wants to be there who doesn't motivation and people are like, well, how do you quantify motivation? Well, it's actually gotten simpler to quantify motivation uh, the last couple of years because if a team isn't motivated, they're not going to not forget showing up. They just won't play. They'll opt out. I mean, the best players at the transfer portal, uh, they'll enter early to the NFL draft. They just won't even play in the bowl game. Forget, you know, going there and going through the motions. So, I mean, obviously it creates more work. But if you do the work, I think uh, it can be – very profitable, especially you can get in front of line moves that uh, move five, six, seven. I had one last year moved fourteen points on me. So uh, you can, you don't get that too much in the regular season uh, on some of the major college football. So uh, it, it it's just motivate and look. People are, might ask, well, how do you go about you know handicapping motivation? I mean, it's pretty simple. I, I mean, what start off with the preseason expectations for a team? Did they achieve? Did they, you know, overachieve? Did they underachieve? Do, do you think you'd be happy and you know playing in the Weed Eater Bowl if you're like in Oklahoma, or you know, are you a team like Kansas that hasn't been in a bowl game in 15 years? You would like to think that they're pretty excited to be in a bowl game. So again, you don't have to be Einstein to figure some of this stuff out when you're handicapping it. Well, Brad, you've been there a long time and it comes pretty quick to you when you're looking at it, but this is great information for people that probably aren't even thinking about some of those exact concepts that uh, just feel like uh, everyday type of handicapping in situations that you can put to real life. Um, it, it's a holistic approach. I agree. It's it's very holistic. It's not power rated based. It's not necessarily efficiency based. And uh, I think it's really important to kind of follow uh, who's leaving because that kind of tells you, like you said, uh, you know, is it a is it a team that was supposed to make the college football playoffs or uh, is it a team that uh, kind of snuck in and uh, they just want to kick a power five teams? butt? you know, it's uh, a lot of little tells coming on when you're looking at this stuff. And that's what these shows are for, for us to try to dig in deep and uh, kind of see what we can come up with and see what we can agree with. But, you know, piggybacking on that. This is a question that I thought of to ask you today because I think it's important. Um, what can you tell our listeners on how or when to actually make these plays? So you probably are a little bit late to the party now as far as, oh, you know, if you're a guy like myself, get the absolute best number. Uh, 
though it's the numbers have been out for a week. So guys like myself, I've made 50 plus bets. So we we've gotten after Ooh. it. You normally do not hear me say this though. If it's the normal regular season, uh, you know, I would say, well, you're kind of SOL you're, you're chasing and chasing steam is very negative in, in the regular season. And I tweet this out every week, you know, if you bet it open and you bet it close, it's a big difference, like 10%, which is everything. Yes. Uh, in the bowl season, this is relatively new uh, because keep in mind, I, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette were the first two to opt out of a bowl game. It was 2016. Now everyone opts out. Uh, but, but that has only been the case the last few years. And I went through and looked at it. Last year, like say, you know, you were late to the party, and, but it's right before kickoff. And you're looking at the lines that move the most. And I, I use this even in the regular season. Three points is three points or more. Well, we'll just use that. So you, you see that the line moved three points. So a team that opened a four point favor is now a seven point favorite. You say, hey, somebody knows something. I want to bet that. I'm going to tell you that the last couple of seasons, that's okay. You're 19 and five chasing that steam. Anything that moved three points or more. So we'll see what it does this year. If I get one more year of a sample size and it continues at a pace close to that, I, you know, that might even be my philosophy, you know, mm-hmm. you know, instead of, you know, the, you know, getting in early, cause I I'll tell you this, a lot of these bets, I'll probably have to play the other side as new information, you know, arrives in the market guys, you know, additional guys opt out coaches leave and whatnot. I might even use that same approach where, you know, I'll, I'll let everybody else do the work and I'll just wait and see, you know, right before kickoff. And I'll be like everybody else and just bet then. I mean, cause I'm, I'm spending a hell of a lot of time. Uh, staring at a screen 16 hours a day for the next three weeks. That's true. That is a lot of time, and that's life that you live, my man. And uh, I admit, I'm, I'm I'm in front probably 10 to 12 hours a day. So it's it's just uh, I got to get out and take a walk every once in a while. But hey, you know, I, I what I would say is at least the smaller teams, unless they have this amazing protect, uh, prospect that guys like Mel Kuyper. Or um, you know any of the draft pundits would have up as a first or second round. You're usually safe if you kind of like that side and you expect maybe some pullouts or, or some holdouts uh, from from the Power Five team. You know, I I, th- I kind of look at it that way, and I kind of look at you know unders might be the better, and this is just obviously in general, but unders might be the way you want to look at first uh, rather than taking it over and having a key guy. Uh, you know, screw you up your whole ticket because, you know, a, a total that's put out by the odds makers and when the market adjusts it, it, it can't go higher based upon what their information is. It can only go one way, can it, Brad? So I totally agree with you with that, that latter point as far as the totals. I mean, again, goes back to NFL preseason. What are NFL preseason totals? They are lower than the regular season. So well, with all these opt-outs and you got backup quarterbacks, and, you know, the non-starters at the skill position, I think you're going to see vanilla game plans. This is in the weeds. Next Wednesday is signing day. And if you follow along with these uh, coaches, they are not game planning right now. They are not at practice. They are flying all over the country, you know, try, trying to get the, those last couple of kids in the recruiting class or trying to at least keep the guys that they already have committed. So I expect to see a lot of vanilla game plans. So I couldn't agree with you more because of the opt-outs, and because of you're just not getting those typical 15 practices before a bowl game, I think under is the way to go. What you originally said, I agree in theory, 
But I'm here to tell you, as far as the guys opting out, you're even seeing starting offensive tackles for Western Kentucky. And, I mean, guys are opting out and not necessarily going to the pros. They're just hitting the transfer portal and seeing what their value is. So, mm-hmm. in theory, you are right. You you would think you're more safe and you have been the last couple of years. This year, all hell is broken loose on the transfer portal. I mean, there's over 1,000 guys in it in less than a week. <laughs> I know. You're right. It is getting a little bit more hairy in general. And maybe my first statement was a little bit more true two, three, four years ago. But the funny situation, like Grayson McCall, he said he's transferring, but he might play the oh, bowl God, game. Yeah. What what the hell is that supposed to mean? I heard on VEASAN on Gil's show, I think it was a numbers game. I can't remember who said it. He said, that's like breaking up with your girlfriend, but keeping your Valentine's Day plans. It it's, <laughs> absolutely yeah. makes no sense why someone would do that. I have to think he's not playing, but I'll tell you this, a lot of books pulled that line off. And it's just an example of what you said there. Uh, some of the most average guys, um, on other teams, and McCall's above that, but it will be transferring, and, and we can't even predict that. Is, is, a, is there a window that's a like a day or two you think that's safe for some of these games? Yeah, I would think, uh, you know, the, the 24 hours leading up to it would, would be <laughs> okay. Uh, you would hope. Uh, I mean, I'll give you one just happened yesterday. Uh, Austin Reed, the Western Kentucky quarterback, has been in the transfer portal for a week. All of a sudden, he took his name out of the portal. That line moved four or five points uh, because uh, he's going to return to West Kentucky and pl- somehow play. So uh, I, I I would like to think you're safe, but uh, I don't know. And that's okay to say that, I think. it's There's a lot of uncertainty. And, again, I typically don't play back much stuff. I'm going to be playing back a lot of bets that I made you know, last week with new information. Lines have overmoved, in my opinion. Uh, don't be afraid to, to to take two different positions on the same game. Yeah, and you, what you said there is so interesting, and it made me wonder this point this week. Do players go in the transfer portal just to leverage NIL money from yep. anything? I mean, what, a, what that's exactly what I would do. If the team kind of expected me next year and I was pretty good, I would just go there to leverage some money, you know, and that throws the market off, right? So, I mean, there you go. You're thinking like Gen Z. I like that. <laughs> I do my best, man. And, uh, uh, you know, my wife keeps me on my toes. She's the one that's got the young heart. I don't. So <laughs> go with that. But let's get in to some of these awesome games then. And uh, everything I wrote down, yeah, most of it's accurate. But we'll start out with the uh, very first bowl game here. And that is Friday, December 16th, the Bahamas Bowl, Miami versus UAB. I see UAB like minus 10, minus 10 and a half in some books and the total, a pretty low total, Brad, uh, I believe around 44. So, uh, you know, in this game, the Bahamas Bowl has kind of thrown me some curveballs in the past. I haven't been great at handicapping that personally from looking at my record, but maybe you got something good for me on this game. And I will say that at least Miami, I believe their coach is three and zero in bowl games. He is, so there's a little bit more stability on that side uh, because UAB's with an interim coach here. He's not going to be, you know, the permanent gig that's going to Trent Dilfer next year. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there. I will say the players have rallied around the interim. They even sent an open letter to the administration. So I think they'll play hard, and I think they're clearly a superior team, but. Then again, that's why they're a double-digit favorite in this one. I'm not big on double-digit favorites. Uh, it's a, you know, you, you look at it historically. Last 15 years, double-digit favorites are pretty negative EV. Uh, it's about 45% in bowl season. So I'm not going to bet into that. 
uh, I, I lean over. Uh, weather can be a little dicey as far as the wind on the islands, but as we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, the wind doesn't seem to be too bad. There's about a 20-25% chance of rain. I just think over. I think the UAB's run game has success. McBride's by far the best player in this game, the running back for UAB. And I also think for the first time in several games, Miami doesn't have to worry about the weather. There was a lot of MAC games this year. Those final two, three weeks of the season were really impacted by weather, multiple games. Totally agree with you. I mean, UAB's numbers are ridiculously uh, better, especially with a strength of schedule that's kind of equal on Sagarin. And that's the one I kind of use for strength of schedule. But UAB's got a plus 1.83 net yard per play advantage over the team right there. That's a lot of points right there. You know, I I usually attribute about 6.5 to 7 per yard. And this is obviously very general without looking at other things. But that's that I think the spread is where it's at for a reason. The only thing scary is Chuck Martin, as I said, 3-0 against the spread in his bowl games. I remember when they beat San Jose State. And I was like, are you kidding me? San Jose State that just won their conference that when I think they're maybe undefeated or something. But, you know, it was their first year they won their conference. They come and lose to Miami, Ohio. Was that two years ago or something? Uh, it was. Oh, that was that was Ball State against San oh, Jose was, State. Oh, that was Ball State. Okay, I knew it was a MAC team. I just wasn't sure. Yep. But but yeah, you got to be careful for these. He almost beat Mississippi State. I remember specifically about five six years ago as about a seventeen point underdog, and they should have won the game. They were clearly the right team, the, the side, and they missed a field goal late. Would have beaten an SEC team, Mississippi State. <laughs> there you go. You know, and I funny I. I I looked at the under because of the wind, but not, you know, if the wind's not going to be there, then yeah, I would be very concerned about that. I have no play on this game. Probably just going to enjoy the first one uh, without any sweats. Let's That's move on. That's good advice. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to bet all these games. They have to put a line on it. Agree. Couldn't have said it better. Just because it's on and just because I'm saying, oh, I, I got 50 plus bets, that doesn't mean that they're all big bets. I, I like, you know, I'm I'm nut, a nut job. I, I, I like having action and I like. But most of 85 percent of the time i got the best of the numbers so that's why i have it but uh generally speaking uh, a lot of these games there's even too much uncertainty for me well that's why you have your vip section brad that has been uh kicking some ass so congratulations on that part and it's great advice just because i'm betting a ton of games i'm getting i'm a, i'm the one getting the openers you know it does and i try to send it out p- personally for me um but it's like that doesn't mean that you have to have that many bets. You know, Brad has a certain exclusive that he can give out lines that aren't moved by himself when he's making these plays. So, yeah. uh, you know, that works out for his clients, and uh, you're doing very well. So congrats on that. Let's move on to the Cure Bowl. Troy versus UTSA. UTSA, I have plus one. I see money coming in on Troy a little bit. Uh, total about 54.5 was what I wrote down. Um, 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Uh, this is in Orlando, Florida, Exploria Stadium. You know, I kind of think that both of these teams' motivation level, and, of course, here we are capping motivation. Uh, you know, we have to. Medium low, I put. I, I don't see – I mean, they both won their conference, in my opinion. Now they get to go on vacation a little bit. It, this just made me think back to when San Jose State lost to Ball State. It's like, you know, they won their conference. They're on They're on vacation. What, what, what does this bowl game really mean to them? I think both teams are kind of in that same uh, position. But yet, Jeff Trailer, great coach. UTSA's offense has just been – it just blows my mind. I, I think they could – they wish they had that Houston game over again. Man, man did Houston Agreed. disappoint. But I, I thought they could have won that game. Uh, I remember from the beginning of the season, Troy's got the harder strength of schedule, ranking 92nd to UTSA's 123rd. Troy's got the .48 net yard per play advantage. 
But, man, both teams are top 10 in all the red zone categories. UTSA's defense ranks 128th in success rate. and Or, sorry, in giving up explosive plays. That's where I think Troy might have the advantage here because UTSA gives up the explosive play. They're not all that good, so they play kind of like a press. And Troy is 12th. I mean, Troy's defense has really got them through. Um, I I keep almost betting Troy. I'm not going to lie, but I keep something keeps me off it, Brad. Maybe you can explain. No, I think Troy is probably the sharper side here. My, personally, my numbers have it close to this. In fact, they, they lean a little bit UTSA here with the, the latest line movement. But I'm more towards the over because of what you mentioned, the efficiency of the red zone. I also think UTSA's defense a little overrated. Keep in mind, down the stretch, they faced like three straight games where they faced a backup quarterback. And Troy offensively left a lot to be desired for most of the season. This is a defense that carried the team most of the season. But last three weeks for them, they started getting the offense going there. So, I, I'm look, it's a lean for me on the over. It's not one of my favorite bets of the bowl season, but that's certainly where I, I expect this one. As far as motivation, I'll say this. I think it's a missed opportunity. I think if both teams would have played like a power five team in a bowl game, these would have been two clear play on teams. They would have been motivated. Uh, I think they're legitimately good, both teams. So missed opportunity that they get to face each other. I wanted to see them against a power five opponent. No, no doubt. I did too. And this segment's being brought to you by Betfred Sports. Check out Betfred Sports. Use the promo code ODDS23 for 250 bucks in free bets. Terms, conditions, location apply. Let's move on to the next bowl. We got the Fenway Bowl. We're moving into Saturday, Brad, December 17th. And that annoying NFL is going to be kind of uh, bugging us a little bit that day because the NFL decided to throw some Saturday games this week. But this is yep. a, this is the most mind-blowing, interesting game for me because <laughs> it's not often we see the coach move from one team in Louisville to the team they're playing in the bowl game. You know, it's uh, so Satterfield moves from Louisville to Cincinnati. I actually think it's a weird move, but maybe a good one because he wasn't that well liked, especially in the media. Now he can kind of start at Cincinnati and try to leave off where Fickle left. Um, but this is an I, this is fun because it's in a baseball stadium. It's in it's at Fenway Park um, in Boston, Massachusetts, as you know. Um, I had to put Cincinnati's motivation kind of as medium low if I was guessing it because Coach Fitch, Fickle, um, you know, being gone, it, it puts them in a pickle, right? So <laughs> Fickle in a pickle. Louisville's motivation's high. I think that they are probably looking at themselves like, our coach just left for this freaking team. F them, man. I mean, if I was this team, I know I'd be rallying right now and trying to show that he should have never left. Now, the problem is that Malik Cunningham's not going to play. And the reason this line is still very close to pick them, Louisville's minus one, it's a t- total of 40, is because Louisville's that bad without Malik Cunningham. <laughs> it's just, it's, he was pretty much... One of the biggest line line probably values to his team minus Grayson McCall, I would say. You know, I I, I would say he he means a lot to Louisville, um, Cincinnati. Uh, you know, coming in, I still lean to Louisville, but this is another game that I didn't make a play on, and this total is so low, Brad. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I lean towards Louisville. I mean, Cincinnati's got a lot of guys opting out, a couple tight ends, a couple wide receivers. Uh, both teams are playing with backup quarterbacks. Keep in mind, Ben Bryant's uh, injured. He's out. Uh, I did play the under. Uh, it's moved four and a half points. It's getting to the point of no return, not just because 
Uh, you have two interim coaches, two backup quarterbacks, guys opting out. But you mentioned it's Fenway Park, and the weather forecast isn't necessarily great. Uh, at least early in the process, there was expected to be some significant wind. I think it's eased up a little bit, but it's going to be cold. The field dynamics are weird. Both teams are going to be on the same sideline. Uh, this is NFL exhibition type stuff here. So I would say at the current numbers, maybe just a lean on Louisville, but even a guy like myself, if you're betting anything other than pizza money here, I mean, old tip of the cap to you. You got a little bit more guts than I do. I just, I just put a little bit better on the under, and that was it. Called it a day. And sometimes you can kind of see their motivation in the first, uh, you know, six to ten plays. You know, I mean, if you want to That's a good point. Live, bowl, bowl games, if you're scared, live bet these things because mm-hmm. they're isolated. They're all, they're all on, you know, national TV. And wait, wait a possession or two. I mean, you're going to see who wants to be there and who doesn't. So that's great advice by you. Awesome. Thanks, man. Let's move on to the next bowl then. We have the Celebration Bowl. Jackson State versus NC Central. And I got to check the line. I think it's still around the 16 and a half to, uh, to 17. And NC Central took some money today, 14 and a half. Oh, it's down to 14 and a half. Okay. It, you know, it's funny. This this uh, screen's not showing it, probably because of the FCS. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that you might have a little bit more information on this game than myself. I, I'm going to be completely honest. I can't remember the last time I bet a non-FBS game, Brad. And uh, the only thing I can think of is Deion Sanders, man. And um, what what does that mean to this line? Uh, do you think the players care about you know what he's doing? I think he earned he earned a Power Five job. I mean, easily um, just from what he's done. I don't know how he'll do there yet. I have to assume that you know he's going to get a lot of great recruits. But that's besides the point. We care about this line. Is anybody betting it? And did you bet it? Yeah, I bet NC Central. Uh, I think Jackson State obviously has a far superior talent edge. They've had that in all their games this year. It's the main reason why they're 12-0. and I don't think it's necessarily a bunch of scheme uh, things and X's and O's that uh, Dion's dialing up. It's just he's got much better players. Uh, but the, 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 the stats say that. You look at margin of victory, yards per game margin, and whatnot. Uh, here's what, 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 you know, has me on the NC central number one, a lot of distractions with Dion. Now he's going to coach all the players going to play. They want to finish strong, but he's still got a lot of split time with Colorado. He's still recruiting with Colorado. A lot of these players, this is it for them at Jackson state. They're heading with Dion to Colorado. So I don't know what their frame of mind is. NC central and a lot of the swack and MEAC schools have been disrespected. At least that's their sense that I get from, from a lot of these coaches and players from, the, the, the dog and pony show of Deion Sanders. Uh, and I, I'll say this, there might be, you know, be something to it that the distractions have hurt Jackson state. Cause they haven't covered their last three games. Uh, they're only three against the number of their last three after they were just pulverizing teams at the start of the season. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of the X's and O's for him. I go back to last year's celebration bowl where they're a double digit favorite and lost the game outright. And it wasn't close. I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but anything above 14, I can only look at NC Central. Well, there you go. You know, Sagard's number, because he does have numbers on this, is nine. So, um, you know, he pays attention more than I do to this. So, you know, it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, and his numbers are a little more condensed than mine in general anyway. It's always been like that for Jeff. But I think that uh, there's there's only one way if you're going to bet this game. So it sounds like you made a play on it. And uh, I don't disagree with it. I think there's just a lot of distraction now. And if it, is, is he taking any players with him, Brad? 
I was saying at times for Sars, his son, which is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks at the FCS level, Shadur San Sanders, probably be a starter for Colorado next year. He's already named him the starter. <laughs> we'll see how that works <laughs> yeah, out. That's right. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there'll be some other guys like Travis Hunter, uh, you know, who was the number one recruit in the country last year that he somehow got to go to Jackson State. Uh, a lot of the guys will. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, we'll, I just think there's much distractions there for me to want to let for forget you know wanting to bet laying more than two touchdowns no thank you that's why i like the dog i mean this almost feels like a money line situation too if you want to throw some pizza money on the money line you know i mean why not i mean if it's that many questions you know it just makes the plus money that much more important is the way i look at it so interesting stuff on that one so let's move on to the next bowl we have and, and this one is wild too byu versus smu SMU is minus oh god this this thing's been all over the place is it three and a half again I'm pulling yep, up the odds. yep it's down to three and a half again so this was five and a half when the Jaron Hall news kind of came out and Kalani Sataki is you know he's wishy-washy at best right now I guess about this whole thing uh three and a half the total's still pretty high at 64 I believe this total was higher in the 70s if I remember right and 74 jesus yeah there you go 10 point move on this total brad was probably part of that uh jaron hall i have to think he's not playing but even if jaron hall doesn't play i don't know the drop off really i know the second string and third string has not played much this year i did look at that but um it, this is just another situation where you wonder is smu all that motivated is byu gonna try to play a tough game here I'm probably staying away. Maybe you got something better than me. Lean towards BYU. You're pretty. You're pretty much getting on onto the, my point. Is uh, I don't think Jaron Hall is worth as much as the spread as what the, this movement has. I mean, this was close to pick. Uh, if not BYU, even in some spots very early in the process was like a one point favorite. So, uh, I, I, you know, today's move from everything that I can collect isn't you know saying that Jaron Hall is definitely going to play. I agree with you. I think he's more doubtful than, than questionable or probable. Uh, I just think there might have been some guys like myself that said, you know what, <laughs> the BYU shouldn't be getting five and a half here, uh, even with a backup quarterback. So it, I thought the line moved a little too much. Anything above three would be a lean on BYU. But like most of these bowl games, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, make a bet. You know, be confident in your numbers, but but also, you know, maybe watch it. Uh, watch the game and maybe try to get off of it after a series or two to see what the motivation looks like for both teams. I, I don't know until I see it. Now, I will say SMU, Mordecai will play, but their best wide receiver is opting out. So I don't, I'm not sure that how highly motivated they are right now. That's so true. And, and it doesn't mean that BYU's not motivated if Jaron Hall doesn't play. Because this kid's auditioning for the next year. Maybe they, there's a rally cry. Some people just think that just because someone leaves – uh, it's not that situation, you know, it's the situation where, Agreed. yeah, and, and, and that's something to remember. I think it's very important to know that these kids are trying to earn starting positions and they've been working hard all week. BYU, BYU's got a 0.63 net yard per play advantage. Um, neither defense is good. I think both, no. I, I, <laughs> yeah, the QBR 92 for SMU opponent QBR and 116 for BYU. And so that's what, why the total was so high. I'm sure as hell ain't taking the over without Jaron Hall, no matter who's playing quarterback. But, but I, I do think 
that uh, this could be a live betting situation as well. So we're on the next game, the LA Bowl. Uh, you got Fresno State versus Washington State. Now, this went back to three and a half. Now, here's the thing. When this opened, I saw Fresno State as a four-point dog, and I laughed, Brad. When I saw that, I laughed. I took Fresno immediately. Now, this, yep. thing, now this thing moved far, but it actually just moved a little farther, which kind of frustrated me. I, I have a small buyback for a third uh, at the plus three at uh, Washington State because it kind of passed my two and a half, but then, lo and behold, another receiver just decided to hold out. The third best receiver for Washington State just uh, put his transfer in. You wonder how many more kids are going to do it. I, I'm in a much better position than others might be. I see some bets coming in on Fresno State. But Washington State, it's easy to say that their motivation could be low. But they're, I mean, it's not like they're a big power five team and they don't want to get embarrassed by Fresno State. They were a, they were a feisty team. They beat my Badgers and in Camp Randall. You know, I I, they, I thought they gave USC a little bit of a run for the money uh, for a little while, and they they have some oh. decent wins. You know, I I I put the number at two and a half, and uh, these next rec- these next receivers could be just fine. I, I would lean Washington State at three and a half. What are your thoughts? I would still lay it with Fresno. Uh, it's just not you know the, the cluster injuries that not cluster injuries but basically cluster opt outs at wide receiver. A couple of their best defensive players are out. More important to me, both offense and defense coordinators are out. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't the shorthand and staff there to say the least. Now the, the head coach is going to call the defensive plays. I'm not sure that he he's qualified to call the offensive plays now that the you know the offense coordinator took the North Texas job. So. I just, the, to me, there's just way too much uncertainty on that side. I think Fresno's focused. This is it for Jay Kaner. You talk about an audition for the next level. This is the game for him. And I think, generally speaking, Fresno, you know, because he missed several games, their full season data, you know, sample size and stats are kind of, you know, skewed a little bit towards the bad because they didn't have great performances when he was out since he's returned. I mean, eight straight wins for him. So uh, I, I like Fresno here. And this is one where, it's it's steamed a lot, but I go back to the last two years games that that have moved three or more points. Even if you're betting right before kickoff, still nineteen and five against the spread. If you're betting, you know the closing line. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So the steam is correct, is what you're saying there. Um, in these situations, yep. in, in most of these situations, there's a few outliers, but uh, yeah, Jeff Tedford five and five ATS in bowl games. Um. Jake Dicker. Dicker's performance in a bowl game last year was abysmal. They oh, lost no. outright to Central Michigan, got yeah. dominated in the game. Yeah, that threw me. I, I probably was on the wrong side of that. Um, you know, I was. Yeah, <laughs> it, both of us. Fresno only 220 miles away from, uh, you know, SoFi Stadium. So, I mean, yep. you're going to get some Fresno. I, I know Wazoo travels well, so don't don't forget that. They always got their flag on college game day, too. And they they're, they have a very loyal fan base there, but Fresno's only 220 miles away. So I, I would even give Fresno a small uh, advantage home uh, on this situation here. Let's move to the Lending, Lending Tree Bowl, the uh, Southern Miss versus Rice. And I better bring up the numbers before I botch it. Uh, six and a half. Okay, I wrote seven. Uh, total is 45 and a half here, Brad. Why don't you get started on this game? It, it's kind of one of those. I, I, I believe these two teams were kind of rivals back in the day. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, they were. I mean, Rice upset Southern Miss last year. So, I mean, they were rivals in Conference USA. Uh, obviously, they're in opposite conferences now with uh, Southern Miss going to the Sun Belt. 
Speaking of Sun Belt, Sun Belt's a better conference than Conference USA. So um, I know Southern Miss didn't play the strongest strength of schedule, but uh, and I know Rice uh, statistically says that they played a stronger schedule, but I I think the Sun Belt, you know, is, is stronger than Conference USA uh, on a team in and team out basis. I like Southern Miss. Generally speaking, I think they're underrated as a program. Goes back to even last year. They had ten different guys take a snap under center last year. They were as banged up as any team in the country at quarterback. They've had five different guys take a snap this year, um, and somehow they found a way to cover nine of their twelve games. Uh, Rice, speaking of quarterback, their first string guy has not been taking. He's not been practicing. He missed the last couple games of the season and still wasn't practicing as of Monday. Uh, and their offense really took a, a turn for the worse without him in the lineup those last two and a half games. And I just. For me, I've been betting on Southern Miss all year, sorry with their season win total. I, I'm going to continue to ride them here. Yeah, I think Rice is kind of banged up as well. Uh, yep. I I know that the, I put motivation for both of them quite high. I put it both okay. at, both as very high motivation. Mobile, Alabama, not far for uh, Southern Miss, 97 miles away, Southern Miss University to Mobile, Alabama. I, I, every bowl game, I do a little map quest thing to see the. I like that. <laughs> First bowl game for both coaches. Uh, strength schedules close. Southern Miss ninety nine. Rice is ninetieth. Southern Miss has a point five net, point uh, four or five net yard per play advantage. The best unit on the field. Southern Miss is defense here, Brad, and uh, I think that's why you see the larger spread. But I agree with it. I'm close to making a play in Southern Miss, even though my power ratings kind of disagree. My power ratings have it like minus five. I think with the issues with Rice right now, I think the I think the favorites correct. So I might be on this on this game, and uh, like you said, they were a money maker for me this year. So that's good. I'm on it. Southern Miss one of my favorite plays at least the first 10, 15 bowl games. All right. Well, there you go. Southern Miss minus six and a half. I wonder if uh, that goes down or up, but uh, I'm pretty I'm confident below the seven right now. Let's move on to Florida versus Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. Oregon State is minus 10 and a half. The total is 52. And I, I better double check this one too, Brad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, when when Richardson opted out, this is like, uh, you know, them going to Vegas, getting uh, split aces uh, against the six, my man. It's uh, double down city here, split them and, and hit them. I think that Oregon State is a for sure easy favorite in this. And I hated Florida this year's defense. They were just absolutely overrated. I think they got overrated just because that first game against Utah and how they kind of snuck that uh, that win. I I sometimes like to take out the first games from my numbers. Sometimes it's just so uh, random in so many situations. And but I will say that uh, Oregon State's tight end is uh, sitting out as well. But this is a big spread, and uh, you know you wonder if you know Napier's kids are going to be somewhat motivated in this situation. What do you think about it being this high uh, at the 10 and a half? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I certainly lean Florida. And without Richardson, uh, I'm not a big Anthony Richardson guy. I, I he, He's a very questionable passer. So um, they're down to their third string guy, but I like their third string guy. I'm familiar with the kid. He's a four-star recruit that originally went to Ohio State. I've watched him in multiple spring games. I think he's all right. Uh, so Jack Miller's his name. I don't think the downgrade is probably as big as what the market's treating it. Now, Florida's missing a bunch of other guys. I mean, it's like a dozen guys. So, <laughs> But I still think uh, it's very tough for me to lay points for the, uh, double digits when you got a Pac-12 team versus a, an SEC team. 
also, I'm not a big trends guy anymore. You know, they asked me five years ago. I probably was. I was a little square in that regard. But I did find it interesting. Billy Napier, 17-3 and three against the spread as an underdog, going back to Louisiana Lafayette. He's even 5-0 oh this year. So I don't know if he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He is kind of a gambling guy. Uh, he knows the spread. Uh, he's very familiar with it. Uh, he follows me on Twitter. It's just not because of that. I've heard from <laughs> other people that are close to him. Uh, he's on the up and up when it comes to that. So I, and the other thing is Oregon state's been great against the spread. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the country, if not the best, uh, as far as 10 and two against the number, but man, laying double digits with a quarterback, Ben Goldbranson, who they don't even trust. I mean, they barely threw the ball, even in the Oregon game that they found a way to win somehow. So I, I just, I don't see it. Give me Florida. All right, and uh, Billy Napier is probably going to be happy once he watches this episode, since he follows you on Twitter. And he's <laughs> yeah. able to see it. So, <laughs> uh, unfortunately for Billy Napier, he is one and three against the spread in bowl games. So that is a small sample there you size. Go. It's a small no, sample that's not size. As good. I know. I like your seventeen and three as a dog. That's that. I, I, that one's a little bit more uh, prominent here. But um, you know, you you think that Billy Napier's go- himself is going to be motivated, even though the team might not be. Yeah, I, I wrote Florida's motivation is low, but I'm not, I, I don't trust that. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, that's why it's 10. I mean, if they're, if they're motivated, this line's probably three. And Richardson's playing and everybody's playing. Oregon State's three, not 10. Yeah, yeah. I know Oregon State's going to have high motivation, though. I mean, you get to be an SEC team. So, um, yeah, it's uh, the we'll call it the opt-out bowl this one so we'll see who else opt outs before we make a play but i do agree it, this is a big spread and it's disrespectful i kind of like i, I kind of like fading the the power five or sec big 10 if they're favorites and they're not motivated but if they're dogs that could be a, a complete different question here but yeah there's a laundry list of guys uh torrents or offensive linemen brawn their yeah. offensive linemen black their linebacker yeah it's just quite a few guys uh transferring but i believe etn's still there so that's interesting at least for now uh yeah it, uh, yeah floor's backup only did throw the ball 14 times and that was against a bad fcs school so that is interesting as well that kid's out that kid and the kid's out it's the third string guy jack miller oh it's miller okay my bad he hasn't um, played at all he was going to be the backup but uh, he hit her he hurt his thumb at the beginning of the season hasn't played at all hadn't taken a snap in the game yeah, and I'll say it'll be interesting. I know a lot of people are against me on this one, but I, I just, I can't come around. I just, I still, even with all those opt-outs, there is a difference in a caliber of athlete between the Pac-12 and the SEC. I'm that, telling you, that is true. And Bell, yeah, you're right. Ben. Look no further than Utah couldn't beat Florida. The, 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 the flag bearer of the conference somehow couldn't win that game. And I bet Utah. Hey, we're throwing that one out. Come on, Brad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ben Gulbertson, man, you can't trust him that well, especially late double digits. Ooh. I mean, if you think about it, just like, man, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm betting minus 10 against Florida. Yeah, <laughs> Back 12 schools kind of come back down to earth a little bit. They're, they're second and third guys here that are first sophomores are probably itching to play. So think about it like that. Frisco Bowl, Boise State versus North Texas. North Texas plus 10, total 56.5. I believe that's where it's at. 10 and a half, actually, you see here at DK. Uh, 59. Total went up to 59. So those are the live odds right now here. So with this one, Brad, I mean, North Texas, I think they're kind of a 
It's weird. This is like a home game for them, isn't it? The Frisco Bowl, it's like across the city. Yeah. You know, it's very close. So, you know, they're going to have people there. I, I wonder, like, what the kids think about it. It's not like they get to travel. Is it more of a business-type trip for them? So looking at the motivation is kind of interesting. I say medium-high motivation for Boise State, though, because I know they got Green as their quarterback, but, you know, he kind of came in for Bachmeyer and did well. I just think that, you know, he's coming in and he's going to want to win this game. Uh, I think um, it, how much are you going to give North Texas? Maybe a point, maybe maybe a point and a half, I don't know, for home field advantage. Boise State's got the harder strength to schedule, 98th to 122nd for uh, North Texas. Boise State's got a little bit of a net yard per play advantage. I think uh, that probably is a little skewed because, you know, they played with that offensive coordinator in Bachmeyer that was screwing stuff up the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, Boise State has the best unit on the field with their defense. So that's, I think, what I'm concentrating on. Yet, you know, you still have a big spread. My power rating has Boise State minus 12.25, though. So my power rating says it's slightly short, Brad. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I lean towards Boise here. Different team with the dirt cutters. They're all offense coordinator, green at quarterback compared to what they were the first four weeks of the season. Uh, North Texas, you know, fired their coach, so they got an interim. Uh, generally speaking, I, interims are negative EV. I think it's like 30 and 35 going back to 2005 against the spread if you're betting on interim coaches. I think it's going to be even more negative moving forward because interim coaches, substitute teacher effect, what happens now? You hit the portal. Uh, I just I think there's more chance. Now, North Texas, n- not a bunch of players hit the portal in this instance, but – Again, Phil Bennett's not getting the job. They just hired the, their guy. Uh, I know you're playing close to home, but nah, I just don't see it. And you mentioned that Green will be motivated. He's a Texas kid, so I do think he's motivated. I, I just I looked at North Texas down the stretch. UAB, UTSA, two of the better teams in Conference USA, got pummeled in both games yeah, by three did. touchdowns. Boise State's as good as those two teams, so give me give me the Broncos. I'll lay the doubles. There you go, and uh, you can get a you know hunt for a ten here. Maybe you can get a little bit better if you uh, you get a bunch of you know public money on thinking it's a home field game for them. So no need to rush. Let's just uh, take a look at it. But I agree with you. I my my power rings agree too. So we'll look at that one. Let's round the corner here to Monday, December nineteenth. So on Monday we're watching college football, Brad. I love it. Myrtle Beach Bowl, UConn versus Marshall. Marshall is minus ten. Total is 40.5, another very low total. This is at Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina. I wrote UConn's motivation is kind of medium or medium high. I think they're excited to get into a bowl game with Mora. I know it's fun to party in Myrtle Beach. I've never been there. I've heard uh, good things about Myrtle Beach for kids, but uh, um, I think I, I think Marshall's motivation is medium low. I, I think that uh, it's kind of a bad opponent and. I, I think Marshall probably wanted something a little bit better for the season, but you know it, I, it's only upside for UConn. I, I like UConn's motivation more than anything. I know Jim Morris two and two against the spread. Marshall does have a .87 yards per play advantage, but man, the Huskies as a as a dog this year, beating teams like Boston College, beating Liberty. You know, uh, they beat Fresno without Hainer, so that's a little bit interesting yep. to throw out there. Uh, even though my power ratings have Marshall as a pretty big favorite here, I, I still lean to UConn. Haven't made a play yet. What are your thoughts? I lean towards Marshall, and I agree with you that I think Connecticut's sky high in this game, and they have the motivational edge. I just don't think they're very good. 
Uh, even though they won a, you know, won a bunch of games, I thought a lot of it was fluky. They got outgamed by FIU, got outgamed by UMass. Those are two of the worst teams, if not the two worst teams in college football. They got outgamed in those games. I mean, they're getting outgamed by 85 yards per game. Marshall leaves a lot to be desired when they're not focused. I mean, they get beat. I mean, BG beat them. Uh, Louisiana beat them when they were a big favorite. But, man, if, they, if you tell me I'm going to get their B game even – uh, I think they're just far and away the superior team here. So uh, Eileen Marshall, not one of my favorite bets. You know, it's always not ideal to lay, you know, double digits when you got a total of 40. But uh, that's where I'm at here. My power ranks having 13. That's a pretty big disparity for me well, this go, time of year. Let's go to Myrtle Beach and see if these kids party, Brad. We'll, 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 we'll go hunting <laughs> yeah. around at night and have a good time. Those days are, have come and gone. For all <laughs> same, same with me, my man. Marshall's defense ranks second in success rate and number one in defensive EPA. So I'll tell you right now. Uh, that, I don't know. I don't know how Connecticut scores. I mean, that's possible I'd be surprised too. they get more than fourteen. All right. Well, you know, I, I had a lean on uh, UConn. I'll stick with my lean, but uh, maybe you took me away from the window. So I, like I said, we don't have to be betting all these games. Tuesday, December twentieth, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, San Jose State versus Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan plus three and a half. It was four and a half. The total is fifty four. I find it interesting that it didn't get the three. I, I will admit that I'm an early player on Eastern Michigan at the four and a half. This is at yep. Albert Stadium in Boise, Idaho. So here's what I wrote. San Jose State's motivation has to be extremely low because they go there anyway, you know, during the year. It's such a it's not exactly a reward to go play in Boise State. <laughs> Maybe the kids were assaulted there or something, is what I said before on another podcast. Eastern Michigan their motivation is probably low but um you know maybe they show up this game uh the mac has been you know just kind of crazy in bowl games before we always say the mac is such a bad conference yet they always show up in the bowl game um eastern michigan's chris creighton three and one against the spread in bowl games brett brennan only has won that one bowl game oh and one against the spread brad uh I give San Jose State credit for uh, getting there, but man, I think that some of their wins was due to their plus 12 turnover ratio. They rank fifth in positive turnover ratio for San Jose State. They do have a plus 0.82 yards per play advantage, but I'd argue that the Eagles had a better finish to their season. They won four of the last five games. San Jose Jose State lost two of their last three. I'm not impressed by San Jose State's wins or their strength of schedule. My power rings have San Jose State just by one or two points. So I played Eastern Michigan, and I would play them again at three and a half. Let's see if you agree or disagree. You get agreement with me. I played the four and a half. I think anything above three is worth a play here on Eastern. I think they're pretty motivated. They haven't won a bowl game since 1987. Uh, they've been close under Chris Creighton. You mentioned the three covers. They weren't close last year. They got crushed. But the other three games, it basically came down on the wire, and they covered all three. Uh, they've won eight games for the first time in a season since 1987. I don't know what happened to San Jose State. They failed to cover the spread their last six games by an average of 11 points per game. Uh, they just were falling short consistently. It was about the same time they unfortunately had you know one of their players passed away. So I don't know if that really – impacted team chemistry in that locker room but you're right i don't think they're very excited i think eastern michigan is to get that first bowl win so i i, I like the eagles here all right we got some agreement on this one uh jonathan tyler asked for this on podcast absolutely jonathan you'll be hearing this question on it tomorrow morning every morning on thursday when this baby comes out 
move on to the Boca Raton Bowl, Toledo versus Liberty, and Liberty is at plus five. The total is at 54, and so this is at FAU Stadium in Boca Raton, Florida, which is actually a pretty nice destination for these kids, um, which yep. makes me scratch my head a little bit. Uh, Toledo, you know, Ohio kid going to a nice destination. So, uh, you know, they won their conference there, and uh, their quarterback was questionable for a long time. I I was trying to set myself up a middle. I had Ohio plus four and a half, and I had Toledo to win the conference at four to one, but obviously I just got one side of that, but Either way, can't complain about that. I hope that, uh, uh, you know, Liberty shows up here. I know they lost Hugh Freeze. And uh, I think they have a good coach coming in, though, don't they, Brad? Yeah, Jamie Chadwell is a really good hire. Uh, so the future's bright for Liberty. I'm, I'm not sure that the immediate future's bright as far as this bowl game. Uh, are they going to show up? I, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. They didn't show up the, the last three games of the season. They failed to cover the spread by 29 points per game. I mean, they lost their last three games outright as a uh, double-digit favorite in all three games. <laughs> I mean, that New Mexico State final, Liberty was a 24-point favorite and lost the game by 35. 59-point ATS loss. I looked it up. It's the worst performance in any game in college football in four years. It's in the top 10 of any since 1990. Since 1990, one of the top 10 worst performances in college football. What, what are you talking? You know, 10,000 plus games there. So, uh, really, really bad. Uh, I didn't like, I, I'm not sure it gets turned around for the bowl game with an interim coach. I, you know, I would bet Toledo a lot, but I don't think Jason Candle is very good. I think he stinks, honestly. Even though I, I'm right there with you, I bet him to win the MAC. They should win the MAC every year. Look at their recruiting classes. Look at the talent disparity. Yeah. They literally should win the MAC four out of five years, and they don't. Uh, they they're zero and four in bowl games uh, the last four years with them, and they've lost three of them outright as a touchdown plus favorite. He's good at that. He's done it seven times in the last two years, losing outright as a touchdown plus favorite more than anybody in the country. So I lean Toledo just because I didn't like what I saw Liberty down the stretch, but it's not a big bet because I do not trust Jason Candle. You shouldn't trust him. One and four against the spread in bowl games, you know, and uh, he's burned our tickets in the past. I think that how the hell did Liberty get Chadwell? I I, I still don't understand. They have I, a lot of money. They yeah, have a ton of money. I guess so. I guess so because leaving, I, it felt like a very almost like a downgrade going from the shot to clears to Liberty, maybe or at, at horizontal at best. But I, I maybe he's getting paid four x. Four times as much at Liberty. Jesus. I thought he'd go to the power five. You know, I, I'm not, I, that's what I figured. I guess maybe his defense, I guess maybe this game's without McCall. I don't know. But I, I thought he was the next coach to be hired. I thought he'd be going to South Carolina a year or two ago, personally. So that's, agree. That's what threw me off. Uh, yeah. Uh, state strength schedule's equal. Uh, 128 for Toledo, 121 for Liberty. But I do have a play on this game, Brad. Toledo's got a 0.27 net yard per play advantage. Toledo is sloppy. 116th in turnover ratio at minus eight. That's where it really happens for them. But both defenses are actually solid. They both rank top 10 in success rate. They both rank top 21 in EPA. I took the under, my man. I took under all right. 54. I like that. I'm going to write that one down because I have not looked at that yet. Yeah, that I think that the points come at a premium. One thing I will say is when Toledo did play Ohio in the bowl game, I know Ohio 
did not have their starting quarterback, but their defense was pretty swarming, and that's the that's the unit I can trust a lot more is their defense. So I love the under in this one. I play for a few stars at least. And lean, and lean Liberty at plus five for sure. I will look into that. One thing I will say, both teams' at quarterback situations have been banged up here down the stretch, so keep an eye on that uh, as we get closer to the bowl game. You know, who's actually going to start a quarterback for both teams? Yeah, make sure you – yep, yep, huge point. That's going to change possibly. This is still 54, which shocks me. This thing should be 50 and a half in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely look towards the under for all you listeners out there. Let's move on to the next bowl here. We have – on Wednesday, December 21st, moving up to Christmas, New Orleans Bowl, South Alabama versus Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky plus eight. The total on this one's close to the same as before, about 53.5. This is at the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. So this, I, I, South Alabama creeped up on me, Brad. I did not see them coming. Um, they were a very solid team. And obviously, being this big of a favorite, seven, eight points. Um, or sorry, this moved down to four and a half. I, I said the wrong spot because, like you mentioned, the quarterback's coming back for West Kentucky. But still, I mean, 4.5 point is a pretty decent spread here in a bowl game against, you know, Western Kentucky that's been good the last few years. And you have a South Alabama team. I think that's coming in very motivated. The total actually went up to 56 when the announcement came up. So my apologies for saying the wrong thing. What are your thoughts on this this game, Brad? Yeah, I like South Alabama, even with the quarterback coming back. How locked in is he? He, he was just in the transfer portal, I mean, for a week or so. And, and all of a sudden, oh, he's coming back. I guess it was money or whatnot. Uh you know, how money work out for Texas A&M's program this year as far as being the motivator for a, a, a team and players. So it, this is a little bit hidden in the weeds, but West Kentucky's got a couple of offensive linemen out, uh, you know, receiver out, a kicker out, some players. I mean, I know you don't think a kicker is worth anything, but wait till you miss a, a kicker too. Uh, and then it was worth something, wasn't it? Uh, you're right about South Alabama. What is their bad performance of the season? I mean, their two losses are to, you know, UCLA and Troy by a combined five points. Right. I mean, this team is rock solid each and every week. They won 10 games. Their defense is the, the best probably, you know, West Kentucky's faced all year, at least one of the best. Uh, I like South Alabama here to roll. I mean, even with the quarterback back, I was thankful that he announced his comeback because I didn't want to lay eight, but I'll lay four. Uh, especially if I don't think he's locked in and he hasn't been practicing with the team. Yeah, you know, I great points. You're really moving me towards this position. Tyson Helton, Western Kentucky, won one and one against the spread in bowl games. Uh, strength schedule is actually pretty close with these uh, with these teams. One one eleven to one twenty nine. Western Kentucky does have the uh, .34 net yards per play. But South Alabama's defense ranking 16th in success rate, 12th in defensive EPA is the best unit on the field here. I like betting on teams with the best unit in the field. Uh, yep. I agree with you. I'm, I'm writing this one down. I'll probably be running to the window after this. Let's move on to the next game, December, December 22nd, Thursday, the Armed Forces Bowl, Air Force versus Baylor. Now, I wrote six and a half, but this is down to five and a half. Yeah. Totals 49. I am on – I'm, I'm just going to say I'm on Baylor, and I'm guessing you're on the opposite. No, I'm on Baylor. I don't agree with the move. I got to see if it was a player opt-out. 
I know the service academies are re- actually really good in bowl games, but yeah, I don't see it here. Air Force played a very weak schedule. This is the first time they're an underdog all season, so they are actually taking a major step up in class. You know, I'm Mr. Pro Air Force. That was my biggest season win total bet was Air Force over. They won that bet. I should be feeling good about them. I didn't like what I saw from Air Force most of the season. I had to, you know, the fact that I had to sweat out that bet was ridiculous, I thought, because I was betting over seven and a half wins, and they were favoring all 12 games. That should have been a non-sweat whatsoever. Uh, I just, I think Baylor, I trust Dave Aranda on the defensive side of the ball to have a game plan to stop the option. I know they lost their defensive corner. He fired them. He'll take over the play calling for for this bowl game. Uh, I just think Baylor's underrated. They're six and six. Maybe their record's not good. I think they're still a borderline top twenty five team. Lay it if you play it. Uh, hopefully, it continues to go down because I'm gonna have a big. I've already got a bet on Baylor. I'll have a big bet on Baylor. <laughs> there you go. That's conviction right there. I'm glad you're on my side because when it went down, I'm like, well, maybe Brad moved it, but <laughs> apparently not. Uh, nope. We're we're both on Baylor here, and it's exactly what you said. I love Dave Aranda. I loved his time when he was a Badger defensive coordinator. I thought it was a great hire from LSU to take him away and actually pay him seven figures. You know, like LSU's got that money, and obviously yep. when he went to Baylor, look what he did at Baylor last year he's kind of in a rebuild type team this year and they still did pretty well their defense was kind of shaky against the pass but man like you said you think Dave Aranda is not going to figure out the triple option in three freaking weeks I hate triple option teams in three weeks you know that's why I always fade them like in the beginning when they don't have stuff going on or when teams have a bye week and they have extra time to practice against a triple option so great call there also strength of schedule like you mentioned Baylor huge disparity 15th to 116th man it is massive and even with that difference Baylor still has a 0.34 net yard per play advantage and my power rings have minus point seven point seven five. So I mean everything That's agrees right with mine are. So well, there, you, there you go. We're, we line up. I don't understand the move myself, and I do know Air Force is good in bowl games because their motivation is always high. They always get to play a Power Five team. Not in this situation. Baylor's getting ready for next year. Don't see a ton of opt-outs yet for Baylor, too, so I find that interesting. So Agree. That's looking good for Baylor. Me and Brad are on that side. Let's move on to Friday, December 23rd, the Gasparilla Bowl, Missouri versus Wake Forest. Wake Forest is minus one. The total is 60.5. Brad, I'm gonna, I got to admit that I almost made a play on Missouri. Just looking at the line, it kind of looked weird, and then... I don't know. I, I I got off it. I'm like, you know what? I can wait this one out. I'm, I want to see what you have on this one and see if we line up. Yeah. So I bet Missouri plus three and a half. Love that bet. Uh, obviously, I'd still lean that way on Missouri. I, something's wrong with Lake Forest. I mean, they lost four of their last five games. And you're thinking, oh, their schedule is tough. They were favored in all five of those games and still lost four of them. Uh, there's whispers of Sam Hartman transfer portal. I think he'll play this game, but I think this is it for him. Uh, I just, man, you get the ACC versus the SEC. I'm taking the SEC. Uh, you don't believe me? Ask South Carolina against <laughs> Clemson. Uh, I give me the SEC all day, all night. Uh, so uh, I, I just, I think Missouri. You looked at Missouri when they beat Arkansas. Yeah. And I look at this. Hey, are the teams excited? They were pumped to get the ball eligibility. Uh, they they celebrated. They got a couple of opt outs, but I I just think they they played the tougher schedule. Give me the Tigers here. They went out right. Yeah, I I don't disagree, and that's kind of where I was going. And um, you know, it, it sucked. I missed the line. You got three and a half quicker than I did. Then I actually got to it. And uh, congrats to you on that. That was a wonderful uh, little play you got there going on. Um, 
Yeah, Wake's wrong. And I'll tell you right now, when the Sam Hartman news came, he was coming back, I was like, are you serious? Because me and you both talked about earlier this season how, yeah, we, we, did. how we went to the kiosk and <laughs> slammed we the under. We still got tickets, baby. <laughs> we still got it. And I, I was getting a little concerned for a while, but, you know, I never bought back. And uh, a lot of stuff didn't offer a lot of good numbers buying back. There was, like, some really heavily juice, crazy stuff that you see sometimes. And uh, I didn't have the opportunity, and I didn't want to anyway. That was one of the biggest ones I cast just because the amount of times – I was able to get some stuff down on it. But anyways, Wake Forest defense, um, it, it, very suspect. Uh, Wake Forest offense, you would expect ranking higher than 26 in success rate, right? You know, Missouri's defense might be the best unit on the field. You got to love the SEC in this situation here. Missouri does have a, one point, a 0.15 net yard per play advantage. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. I might be uh, tailing you on this one as well, as, but I'm going to wait to see if uh, any more uh, players sit out. Moving on to the Independence Bowl, Houston versus Louisiana. Louisiana plus six and a half, total 58. Shreveport, Louisiana, where this is played. I put Houston's motivation as medium low, and I don't know if I'm right on that, but man, you remember the preseason expectations for this team were so much freaking higher, you know? Not only that, Look at Dana Holgerson and what he does yep. in bowl games. He burns your tickets. Two and seven against the spread. Probably the worst ATS coach coming into bowl season. You know, you would think that uh, the uh, Louisiana would have the home field advantage, but to be honest with you, I did the math, same distance, about 250 miles away for this school, you know, with the size of Texas and everything down there. Um, Michael DeSormo, yeah, one one and zero against the spread in bowl games. Louisiana's kind of Jekyll and Hyde. It's yeah. it, it, it's weird how they lose to Louisiana Monroe, but then you beat Marshall in Georgia Southern. You know, a better, a uh, little bit surprising Georgia Southern team. Clayton's. This is also Clayton Toon's last opportunity to impress, and so I am a little concerned about that. Clayton Houston does have a point six six net yard per play advantage. Um. Houston harder schedule. My power ratings have this as more of an eight, but I'm scared to hit it. What are your thoughts? I lean Louisiana. Uh, haven't got to the window yet at all in this game. I think it's a high variance game. Wouldn't stun me if Louisiana won the game outright. Uh, wouldn't stun me if Houston won by three touchdowns. I'm waiting to see. Seven would probably be the go for me uh, on Louisiana. You mentioned Holgerson. I mean, you said it's the worst. Uh, coming into bowl season, you are correct. That is the worst ATS mark. In fact, it's there's only one coach worse than him in the last 15 years in bowls. Uh, that would be Rod Carey from Northern Illinois and uh, <laughs> Temple. Uh, he was 0-7 against the spread yeah. in bowl game. But that's it. That's the only one worse. Uh, with guys you know, that have coached five or more bowl games, I, I don't know what Houston's motivation is. I it's just a, They're such a Jekyll and Hyde team. I thought they were going to turn their season around. They lose to Tulsa. As a double-digit favorite in the finale, Louisiana at least you know looked impressive getting the ball eligibility. It's just a lean for me, but I haven't bet it yet. And that says something for a guy that's got fifty plus bets. The fact that I haven't bet it means I'm not really interested. <laughs> I'm not seeing value. That certainly says something, man. Because I haven't bet it, like I said either. Um, very interesting situation, and like we said earlier, Brad, it, waiting this out finding out who's leaving, who's playing. We don't know for sure Clayton Toon's playing. You know, there's lots of things that can happen. There could even be some coaching moves and things like that. Wait for more information in some of these later games, Brad. Any other bowl games that you want to throw out before I ask you quick about the championship? 
You know, one that's interesting to me, and I, I, I certainly lean Washington, and, and I think, uh, you know, the number is going to drop as you get some more opt-outs for Texas. Uh, I think it's an intriguing game, period, because I think it's two good teams. And I think with Michael Penix coming back for Washington, this is, could be a really kick start to their upcoming season. I know it's in the Alamo Dome, and you got to give Texas a little bit there. I just think with no B. John Robinson, no Roshan Johnson, and some other guys out, I just and it's going to be on Quinn Ewers. I'm not a big Quinn Ewers guy, so uh, give me Washington. <laughs> there you go. I I actually had I was hoping you talk about Oklahoma Florida State because I have a bad play I think on Oklahoma at seven and a half. Do you have any thoughts Oof. on that? Uh, I, I mean, I, I wish I, I could I, get I out like of this. The one. I, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm the Noles yeah. there. Uh, yeah, I, the, the both tackles are out for Oklahoma. I think Eric Gray's out. They're outstanding running back. I just. I don't see it for the Sooners. Yeah. I think they're focused on the recruiting trail next week or I, so. I agree, and the reason I play it because I thought Venables would have you know the team motivated being at his first bowl, but with all these opt-outs now, I realized I was on the wrong side of it. It probably shouldn't even be 7.5. It should be 10, 10.5 right now. It might close 10. In this situation, in the NFL, I usually tease the other side, and I take the semis down to 1.5 and, and find myself a good partner. But, uh, you know, I don't love teasing college, but I might be forced to do something like that. It's not like it was a massive play or nothing. So real quick, you know, it's funny, uh, Georgia, Ohio State, I've downgraded Ohio State enough my power ranks to actually make Georgia a seven-point favorite myself. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm one of the few because I noticed that, you know, I'm looking at all the public power ranks out there at least, and they're way off. They're, they have Ohio State a point or two under. But yours sounds like yours is probably a little bit more towards that uh, direction. But but did you bet Ohio State, Brad? I mean, do you trust them in this situation? I took them plus seven. Uh, do I trust them? I mean, is it my favorite bet I made? No, but I I, I took a chunk. Right. I took a pretty good piece when I saw plus seven uh, there. Uh, just because I think there's an overreaction to what happened in the Michigan game in the second half. Look, it was really bad. I was It stunned me. Uh, but they're still, for as bad as that final was, they still were leading the halftime. And I still thought... There was an opportunity in the middle of the second quarter where I thought they could take control of this game and, I mean, run away with it, and they just didn't for whatever ever reason. I mean, Michigan beat their cover zero multiple times, uh, and C.J. Stroud just didn't look right. But uh, I did give – I think you're really mistaken if you're not giving George at least a point and a half. Of, uh, you know, this is their third game inside the stadium this year. Uh, even though the Buckeyes have sold out of their ticket allotment in a day, there's still going to be a Georgia crowd edge here, so – even with all that, I made it closer to four and a half. So seven was the play for me. Okay, that you know, going by power rings, that makes sense. The my problem with Ohio State is, I mean, they they just, there's something wrong with them, and I can't figure out. I hate the Smith Majiba thing. What the hell is going on? You know, he said, Ugh. yeah, my doc. I talked to my doctors. It's like, why didn't your doctor say that a long time ago? And why didn't she have surgery? You know, it's it just. It, it, I'm not saying I hate doubting people, but man, it's just. That stinks. Oh, it stinks. It totally stinks. And, and then, and then, they're obviously the running back Henderson is going to have surgery, which isn't that. That was definitely a bad thing that happened with his injuries. And I guess uh, Mayan's going to play, but I, you know, something is wrong with Ohio State there, and I can't pinpoint it. And Michigan TCU, uh, my number here is eight and a half. Uh, so I'm right at the spread here. Uh, it looks like TCU money came in, but I'm going to throw out a little bit of a. An interesting situation. I, I I almost think Michigan would be a good first half bet because the way TCU seems to kind of do things is with with the smoke and mirrors at the end of the game with the other team choking. Yeah, us, you know, it almost feels like 
uh, it almost feels like Michigan, you might get a minus three and a half, minus four, or something like that in the first half. I don't even know if the lines are on the first half, but th- those are my initial thoughts. And uh, I, I want to see where your numbers line up on the at Michigan TCU. So I was surprised there was some TCU money came in. I thought we were right, going to stay right in that dead zone because it was right around eight to nine. Uh, and then we got money on TCU. Circuit went down to seven. I played seven with Michigan. I think TCU is overrated. So uh, I, I think Michigan will lean on them. I, TCU hasn't seen a, an offensive line that Michigan has all season. So give me the Wolverines there. Uh, even without Blake Corum, I think this is more business for them this year. They were happy to be in the playoff last year, got smoked. This this time they're, they're coming to win the national championship. I'm not sure that they'll win it, obviously, <laughs> even if they play the Buckeyes in a rematch. But uh, uh, and there'll certainly be a dog against Georgia. But uh, yeah, I, I like Michigan here to take care of business. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I, I like Michigan, too. I think lots of fraudulent things happen. I, I love Max Duggan as a competitor. I think he's a great kid. Yeah. But, but Michigan's just got bigger players and and better players, I think, in the trenches, especially TCU's defense is very overrated. I think Michigan's got the better skill skill players, and uh, yeah, their backup running backs been awesome. <laughs> you know, the guy behind Corum. How you know? fortunate! Don't you wish you're a Michigan fan? I mean, how fortunate! I mean, they're not playing Alabama or Clemson or a historically great LSU team. They get to play TCU in a semifinal. I know. It, it screws Georgia over, doesn't it? They have to play Ohio State, yeah, to say the least. But I mean, it's it's funny the the first team gets punished under this way of doing things. It, it's so weird because you know Ohio State not deserving still, but way better in TCU and people's power rate. It's just such a weird. TCU's. Team. I mean, Buckeyes are laying a touchdown plus against TCU. Unbelievable. I know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, as a Big Ten fan, I hope it's Michigan Ohio State again. But um, you know, Georgia's my best team in my power ratings. I think they win it oh, all yeah. and. Uh, you know, I, I think Michigan might give them a run for their money, though, If Mich- when Michigan uh, gets through this. And uh, obviously, if it's not Ohio State, it's going to be really cool to see this rematch because Michigan was embarrassed at the beginning of that uh, game last year. I thought there was eh, kind of some bad fishing in the first half, but we don't got to get into that. But I'm excited to see uh, I'm excited to see this baby again. So I hope it's uh, either Michigan, Ohio State, number one, but I'll take Michigan, Georgia as number two. Brad, we're out of time, my man. I really appreciate your information and all your insights and all the love that you give our listeners, giving out the plays like that, my man, I'm so appreciative that you came on all year as well. And just uh, helped educate us on your great knowledge of college football. Uh, wanted to thank you so much for everything you've done for the odds breakers. Hey man, no problem, man. Happy holidays to everyone watching and listening. Uh, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. Let's make, let's win some money here the next three weeks. <laughs> let's win some money. Where can our listeners get your great information in place? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at BradPower7. Check out my website, BradPowerSports.com. All right, make sure you guys check out Brad Powers. Brad, we'll be talking soon. Thanks again. All right, thanks for having me. Now it is time for The Sharp Side of the Force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus. Please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. All right, my friends, let's get right into some sharp money, sharp college football, early bowls. Here's some of the movement we're going to go over. Troy at Pick'em to minus two against UTSA, 70% of the tickets and 93% of the money. Sharp money, Fresno State, plus four and a half to minus three and a half. <laughs> Completely flipped. First, Washington State, 68% of the tickets, 79% of the money. BYU minus one to plus three and a half. 
versus SMU. I should have said uh, sharp money on SMU. Forty-seven <laughs> percent of the tickets and eighty-nine percent of the money. Sharp money in Air Force plus seven to plus five and a half versus Baylor. Sixty-one percent of the tickets, ninety-eight percent of the money. As you know, Brad and I disagree with that move. Sharp totals: Cincinnati versus Louisville under forty-four to thirty-nine and a half. 71% of the tickets, 93% of the money. Sharp money in Washington State versus Fresno State under 57.5 to 52, 60% of the tickets and 97% of the money. Sharp money in North Texas versus Boise State over 40, 54 to 59.5, 53% of the tickets, 76% of the money. Sharp NFL week 15. Sharp money on the Seahawks plus four to plus three-ish, kind of plus three and a half. I was, let's call it 3.25, 38% of the tickets and 56% of the money. Sharp money on the uh, Chiefs minus 11 to minus 14 at the Texans, 52% of the tickets and 99% of the money. And lots more bets coming in later. I think there's a lot of waiting going on this week. Sharp totals, Colts versus Vikings over 46.5, 48, 49% of the tickets, 64% of the money. Sharp money on the Jaguars versus Cowboys over 45 and a half to 47 and a half. 88% of the tickets, 92% of the money. Sharp money the Lions versus Jets, under 49 to 44.5, 72% of the tickets, 89% of the money. Sharp money the Chiefs versus Texans, over 46.5 to 49.5, 61% of the tickets, 69% of the money. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this show. Uh, really appreciate all you listeners. And if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, it would greatly help us. I read all the reviews. Please feel free to uh, do that if you have some time. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy all the college football games and NFL. And go get some winners.